Everybody's working. With that time, yours. Off-season? What off-season? The Chiefs sat out the beginning of free agency, more or less. But now look at us. Who'd have thought? The Chiefs are officially running it back in uh, just about every possible way. And we'll talk about it here on Times Ours. Guys, I, I think this is the, uh, the the busiest little week that has been dead for most teams. The Chiefs have been uh, making all the headlines. It's been kind of nice. Yeah, and it shows that, you know, much of what we were saying at the start of free agency has played out where the team has kept intact. I think I saw today 20 of the 22 starters from the Super Bowl with, uh, you know, the the latest signing, which is Bashad Breland for one more year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to believe that I look at my calendar and there's two weeks left in until the draft, I should say. And the Chiefs have, like you mentioned, Josh, been one of the more active teams the last five or so days in terms of solidifying their championship roster. Seth, how are you? How are you feeling about the Chiefs being bringing back Bashad Breland and everything else that's been going on? You haven't even talked about uh, Sammy Watkins with us yet. I have not. You and I got to talk about it a little on almost entirely sports that airs nightly on Sports Radio eight ten. Oh, but <laughs> anyway, um, I I have not talked about Sammy Watkins yet. We can chat about that a little bit here. I'm thrilled they brought back Breland. Um, I'm not surprised that it's only a one-year deal. Breland, you know, with some of the things that he tweets out and some of the stuff he said in interviews, I this has got to be frustrating for him. Yep. Because he has been, and, you know, people can talk to me about PFF grades and stuff. I, you know, we can all reasonably disagree on various things. I, I've had... I've looked at him as a potential target for the Chiefs for like three years in a row. So I've reviewed mm. plenty of his film like three years in a row. And then, of course, this last year when he was actually on the Chiefs, and he's been a solid cornerback for years. He's been more consistent than a lot of these guys that are getting pretty good-sized paydays. And just nothing. You know, the one year he had he had a good, like a $9 million a year deal with the Panthers. Then he got, you know, a cut on his foot and the foot got infected. Yep. The Panthers freaked out and wouldn't sign him because of it. And Which to me was like, I mean, did a doctor tell you he wasn't going to be ready? Like what? Yeah. It's an infected foot. Put him on antibiotics, guys, and calm down. It's the summer, but whatever. So then, you know, he doesn't sign with anyone till midway through the year, and so it was kind of a weird season. So then, you know, he's got to do a prove-it deal with the Chiefs. and He's just, he's been good. And now this year, he gets this kind of depressed cornerback market. And then, obviously, COVID-19. The guy can't catch a break. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, maybe that's, you know, COVID-19 isn't just hard on Bashad Breland. It's pro- it's hard on a lot of people. But for him, that it affected him in this specific way. And I feel kind of bad for him. You can see that frustration. Yeah. It's good news for the Chiefs, though. So, Nate, if you can uh, walk us through. we were You were talking about this, I think, two or three weeks ago, saying, keep an eye on the Bashad Breland thing. We've all been talking that, you know, as he never got uh, a long-term deal elsewhere, the longer that went on, just like with Sammy Watkins, the more it made sense for him to end up sticking with the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. But he gets one year, four and a half million dollars, and it feels like you saw this one coming. Uh, I did for the most part, unless there was going to be some team that was going to slide in at the last minute uh, to swoop in, I should say. But, um, you know, a source told me that the, the phrase at the time was not yet, um, which seemed to indicate mm. that uh, Bashad Breeland was going to return with the Chiefs on either a one- or a two-year deal based on what both parties would agree to. It seems that, like Seth mentioned, it's it's unusual for a player of Bashad's 
work, talent, and success to have back-to-back prove-it-year deals, but that's essentially what has mm-hmm. occurred. Um, it, we've just gotten to the point in free agency where I just don't think anybody's really going to sign a two- or three-year deal unless some team has told that person, we're cutting this thing, you know, this player at your position who's maybe older, which gives us more cap space, and we'll slide you in for the next you know, two to three seasons. Outside of that happening, uh, everybody's going to sign one-year deals, one, because of the pandemic going on, the fact that continuity obviously works for the Chiefs and Bashad Breeland. They know each other. Um, he can still play to the height of his ability and maybe cash in next year when things are a little more normalized. But it, it just appears to me because of the pandemic and because of, you know, a pretty talented draft class when you look at, like, the top 100 prospects, and I would encourage all of our listeners to check out uh, Dane, Dane's, uh, you know, draft just extravaganza encyclopedia that's on the athletic. You should just like check it out um, and spend hours on it, like I will in the next two weeks. But it's a pretty deep class, and we're so close to the draft that it doesn't really incentivize a team to sign a guy for multiple years until after we know who's on which team in terms of the draft. So I think that's where we are. But it's a good thing for Bashad because he knows he will be right where he is with the Chiefs in terms of starting, getting significant snaps, having an impact on the team's chance to repeat as champions. Whereas if he would have gone elsewhere, would he have to compete for a starting spot if that same team brought in a a rookie cornerback in the draft? And Seth, I mean, you mentioned how much of, of Breland's film you've watched over the last few years, especially whenever you look at the fact that the Chiefs at that at that spot had been so thin before this move. I mean, it's essentially been Charvarius Ward and then Rashad Fenton and then a couple of dudes. And Rashad Fenton being in the second class there is a little bit uh, concerning just because he's still very fresh in the league. How right. how much does Breland move the needle for you in terms of how you feel about the Chiefs cornerback group? Uh, he helps a ton. And one thing that's worth noting with the Chiefs cornerback group is – and I'm not sure they'll keep doing this. I don't know whether it was out of necessity or not. Tyron Matthew played a ton of slot cornerback yep. snaps mm-hmm. this last year. Mm-hmm. And he did awesome at it. And that, there's there's so much value to be had in the slot corner position, depending on the matchup. And so the fact that they have a guy who can basically be kind of their slot corner, and then a guy who, in Fenton who played better than I think a lot of people expected as a slot yep. corner. Me included. I wasn't feeling like... <laughs> yep, same. 100%. Yeah, yeah me included. Yeah. 100%. We're all members there. So it was never quite as empty as it looked, but it was still definitely really concerning. The great thing about having Breland back, you've got your two starters, your two outside guys. And let's face it, your third guy who's in the slot, he's basically another starter. But with Matthew rotating in, the Chiefs need theirs a little bit different than other teams. Whether Spagnolo keeps having him do that, or if he had him do that because they... You know, they started the year saying um, Kendall Fuller is a slot corner. Yep. And then as the season moved along, they're like, well, he's, he's more of a safety. And and I don't know if that's a reflection of how great Matthew was at it, and he was, or that Fuller wasn't quite as good as they'd hoped. So I, I have no idea because Fuller was good as a safety. I You know, he got paid. He deserved it. Great for him. But I, so they're, they're kind of a weird team quarterback-wise because you have a Tyron Matthew and because you can always just say, well, you know, with Juan Thornhill back, we've got our deep safety and Dan Sorensen can slide around to various places. Um, so it was never quite as empty as it looked, but this is great news because this means a secondary that I think wildly outperformed expectations last year is by and large still together. Yep. 
one thing with with, the, with that note on on Tyron Matthew, and and we can you know obviously connect this to the draft a little bit just because of of what this means for those position groups. The Chiefs could end up at a at a point where if at the end of the first round maybe there's a safety prospect they didn't expect to be there or whatever, they could they, in either any of the first three rounds they could they could take a safety and it wouldn't surprise me. All that much. I mean, the later the, the later the draft went on, the less it would surprise me. But because there is that flexibility with Matthew, because they did have have Kendall Fuller doing so much unique stuff at the safety position last year, that I think that's probably been on the table or should be on the table a little more than than we've talked about. But also, we spent a lot of time talking about the cornerback class. Mm-hmm. Nate, whenever you look at the fact that the the Chiefs again they've stabilized the position with Breland, um, and, and I don't even mean that like half heartedly. Like it's very good news that that he will be back next year. But as of right now, Breland and Traverius Ward are neither one of them are under contract in 2021. So do you think that that bringing back Breland um, changes a lot, changes a little, changes nothing at all for uh, looking at corners in the draft? It, it changes a little, I think, because I like you mentioned. 2021, 22, and 23, um, just just put Patrick Mahomes' giant contract somewhere in there. So, like, yep. you have to manage around that. But they need, I believe, at this point, now that you know you have two starting cornerbacks and, you know, Breland and Ward, now I think you need multiple picks. So, it seems more plausible now to trade out of 32 to go down in the draft, which is, which Brett Veach has no record of doing, by the way. His only record right. is trading <laughs> up. Like, all he wants right. to do is identify somebody and go get them. Now, uh, what I would advise the Chiefs to do this year is actually trade out of 32, get into, like, late 30, early 40 range mm-hmm. with the understanding that you still have your pick at 63. Um and now you have a chance to get a cornerback with either pick in that range of the second round. So you could take mm-hmm. a cornerback high to where you moved down to, whether that's you know 10 to 12 spots, or you can stay where you are at 63 and take that draft pick, um, all it be a cornerback. The two names that I think feasibly seem to be you know logical fits for the Chiefs are obviously Bryce Hall. We've mentioned him before. What he's done at Virginia, his relationship with with uh, Juan Thornhill, who you know is suspected to be mostly back, um, or at least moving into football activities by the time the training camp starts, and then I think AJ Terrell is an option for the length, the size, and the duality of playing man and zone covers that he showed in college, uh, because I don't think Terrell's name has really jumped very much into the first round of the draft, but he could be there in the mid second round. Uh, if that position is not prioritized the way I think most teams are looking elsewhere. Um, but I think getting Breland makes it to the point where you don't feel like you have to reach. And I think that was the biggest issue mm-hmm. in 2018, right? So Brett Veach comes in, it's mm-hmm. his first draft, and he felt, based on their draft evaluation of, of grading out every prospect at the defensive end slash you know, outside linebacker slash pass rusher whoever got i can't remember the name but but somebody was taken and then brett veach looked at the board and was like oh no the only person i have any confidence left is breland speaks and then he traded eight spots up to go get breland speaks to fill what he believed at the time a need on the roster 
they're not in that same scenario in 2020, which I think gives them some some advantage to move down to just get talented players so that you can have them at multiple positions on the roster to be, you know, controlled contracts while Patrick Mahomes' super deal continues to get bigger as you roll into, you know, successive years. Yeah. Seth, anything to add in that in that range as far as looking to the draft now? Um, no. Nate crushed it <laughs> predictably. Uh, they, they've got. <laughs> Thank you. All right, well, moving Thank on. Thank you, sir. Oh, yeah. So you do. Sorry, I, you do want to say something, I, Seth? Oh, okay. I concur. <laughs> no, seriously, okay. that's it. I concur. The, okay, now, now, good. now, I'm, I'm good with that. Now, now, somebody listening in their home or in their car, i.e., my father will now tell you that the Chiefs need to go get a running back in, like, the first two picks of the draft. And there's enough draft analysts out there, y'all, that have suggested the same thing. And even my good friend Therese Paler, uh, if you peruse Chiefs.com, suggested, hey, maybe Cam Akers from, you know, Florida State. Um, What do you, what do you guys think of this? Because... I would say maybe offensive lineman more than running back, but eh, I guess I could I could just hear more more voices analysts suggesting that hey you know Damian Williams only one year left hey you know this new guy they had that they added uh, DeAndre Washington one year you know yeah somebody's got to play the running back position in 2021 fellas why don't you go out there and get that guy in the second round of the draft. Uh, all right, all right. <laughs> Seth, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? This, by the way, I, 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 I of course, I threw this grenade out there because I knew both of them would react uh, this way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I would just say, oh my goodness! As we're talking about this, someone oh, no. just tweeted me thoughts with an at with the thirty second pick of the draft. The Chiefs select Jonathan Taylor, running back from oh. Wisconsin. Right? <laughs> no. No, 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 save, no, no. By the way, save no. this, save this, Here's save this sound, Danielle. So when they do draft him in two weeks, yeah. we can just re-roll it. Yeah. No. Here's the thing: if the Chiefs decide that the best way to quadruple down on Patrick Mahomes is a fantastic running back, I'm not going to freak out. I don't think it's the best way to add value to the offense. Um, I think, given that they have. Damian Williams, who's a really great fit for what they do, and they've got a number of other guys who are intriguing on the roster. I think if you really want to, like, you know, triple down on offense or quadruple down on offense, the best way to add value would be a really dynamic tight end, um, an interior lineman, or a wide receiver. I think though any of those things I think would move the needle more than a running back. The reason for that being, and this is like, you know, running backs don't matter, blah, 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 blah. People are sick of that debate, and I get why. Because running backs do matter in a very real sense. What running backs don't matter means is that once you get to the NFL level, all the running backs are really good. All of them. Unless you like somehow end up like drafting, you know, like Trent Richardson in the first round. Right. Like, which also NFL. Hey, hey Seth, that was a very early draft pick. You might notice. Yeah, that was bad. So there, there are some running backs who have a singular set of skills that makes them stand out, even from the group of very competent running backs. There are probably a hundred players who can be competent running backs in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. And it's mostly determined on the system that they're in and the pieces they're surrounded with. Uh, now, you can move the needle, okay? But it just doesn't move the needle as much. So an example would be like Christian McCaffrey, probably the best running back in the league last year. Tremendous skill set for the modern NFL, 
right? Mm -hmm. Awesome mm -hmm. route runner. Mm -hmm. Excellent runner. Great vision. Great speed. Runs with power. Runs with bounce. Awesome running back. He would put up numbers in Kansas City that would just be absurd. So yeah. he's the example that I'm going to use, okay? Even him, the he's a significant upgrade over Damian Williams. And I love Williams. He'd probably admit the same thing. But even that significant upgrade doesn't move the offensive needle overall as much as some of these other positions do just by the nature of the game. It just, right. that's how it works at the pro level because being better at running the ball doesn't necessarily help you that much because it's not as consistent and it's just not, it just, you know, going to like an extra 0.5 yards per carry just doesn't move the needle as much as, as the passing game at the pro level. The defenses are too fast. It's so running the ball itself isn't as important. That's what running backs don't matter means. That's why Josh is making all these noises. <laughs> it's not because it's, it's not because, because Damian Williams made some great plays down the stretch and having a specific skill set and a fit in the offense is more important than general overall skill. That's why like, Honestly, and you know, it's tough to say, and I, I, I feel for him in some ways, but this is also self-inflicted in a lot of ways. Kareem Hunt, probably one of the two or three most talented running backs in the NFL, in my opinion. I think he's tremendous. And he, you know, he left the offense and you know what? They were okay. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, that's the thing people have to notice. Does it matter a little? Of course it matters a little. It just doesn't matter as much as if they're going to take someone on offense, they take a dominant right guard, mm -hmm. and, you know, mm -hmm. th that'd make a difference. That would move the needle mm. more. And it would well, also hmm. help. Well, Seth, maybe don't do that. <laughs> it, also, would, though. it would maybe also <laughs> help the running back. It would help you run the ball more than changing your running back. So here, I'm going to admit this on the front end. Okay. Just for the sake of trying to be as honest as possible. If the Chiefs took now, listen, I don't need any of the names that have been mentioned so far. But if the Chiefs ended up getting DeAndre Swift at thirty-two, running back out of Georgia, I get like a I've seen I've seen like a Lashawn McCoy comparison there. If there was going to be somebody Oof. who could tempt Andy Reid, if there if there was I don't, a, a, I don't, I don't see the, the McCoy comparisons yet, kids. <laughs> it's, no, 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 no. That's. It's quite kind, but that's that, that's when I saw him come at some point. He, he, I don't think he dropped a pass in his college career or something like that. If, if you're gonna, if you're going to have a player that like that that you could throw the ball to, I would, I would, I would have sort of a feeling of, I would be, I would be happy in the same way that I am happy to like eat at Arby's once every six months, where you're not Dude, proud no. that you feel <laughs> you feel that small amount of joy, but you do feel it. But, but look, here's here's the thing. And this is, I mean, this is the, the gist of what Seth said. But literally any running back added to this offense can only move the needle so much. And the space between still an uncertain back like DeAndre Swift, a guy that that is not immediately going to be the best back in football, even for your exact offense. Damian Williams was was straight up bad for the first chunk of the season. Like he had some incredible playoff moments. He was he was one of the worst running backs in football in terms of expected yards gained and, and what he actually ended up getting and, and all that. His his DVOA was atrocious. The entire Chiefs backfield, their their entire DVOA was atrocious for a long stretch of the season, and that was fine. You can look at teams like the Chargers who. Ended up, obviously, they drafted Melvin Gordon, but you look at what they ultimately ended up doing. They let Melvin Gordon walk because they had Austin Eckler. Give him a little bit of money, that works out. You can the, the Broncos just did the exact inverse. They had Philip Lindsay, the exact 
the 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 perfect example of how you should be doing all of this in terms of, of how you acquire your running backs and then what kind of skills you look for and then how you make them fit in your scheme. We'll, we'll talk about DeAndre Washington at some point. He could get cut by training camp if training camp actually happens. It wouldn't surprise me. Or he could end up having a nice little role as a dude who's pretty confident catching passes out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. If that can make, if, if he can make that work in Andy Reid's offense, DeAndre Washington could could have a more productive 2020 than DeAndre Swift. That is that is on the table yep. because there is so much variance there. And in the guys you draft in those first rounds, you want to feel good about giving them that next contract. Chris Jones, second round pick, I know, but a first pick in that draft, whatever. You any guy you draft, you would like to think, you know what? I I am hoping we get to give him that second contract. How many times have teams given out that second contract to a running back and not ended up regretting it very quickly? David Johnson was a perfect acquisition until they paid him, and then it ended up being a nightmare. And then it actually ended up working because now it's now he's DeAndre Hopkins, and so <laughs> actually that's a bad DeAndre example. Hopkins. That one yeah. that one required Bill O'Brien, so that doesn't count. Right, right. The but the you, unusual you, help of Bill O'Brien. That's that's very very unusual. But it can be Todd Gurley. We're going to see with Ezekiel Elliott. He right. as his offensive line is is leaving or or retiring, he is going to see his ceiling significantly drop. That's how running backs function. So the value in that position is simply not there. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be excited about a guard at 32. Um, frankly, if there was a tackle that they thought, hey, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna move on from Eric Fisher next year in all likelihood. I would hate to see a team win the Super Bowl and then draft a pick for next year. You know, that that would that would be a little bit frustrating. I would much rather see defensive help. Um, or if if one of those top few receivers ends up falling a little bit farther than they should have, that would not bother me one bit. But the value at running back it, as it, it's it's a crapshoot in a lot of ways, and it's it's a it's it's a wildly imbalanced scale. Drafting running back in the first round doesn't even it it doesn't guarantee literally anything just as again like I'm a little bit excited about DeAndre Washington maybe working and that's because we're talking about Damien Williams we're talking about Damien Williams like he's prime LaShawn McCoy right now that's where these conversations always end up yeah so no Nate I don't think they should do that if you're asking <laughs> no the, so so I, I I tend to agree uh just just so we're all clear we we all have our our are varying answers, but we're getting to much of the same destination. I I feel like running back has been floated out to the Chiefs just because there's no clear long-term answer, and I think mm-hmm. Andy Reid and Brett Veach are comfortable with that for right now because the whole run-it-back campaign is only focused on 2020. Um, so yeah. they'll get to that when they get to that. I, I am in the belief, the firm belief, the concrete, I've talked to enough people to know that linebackers may slip. And if you want to stay at 32 or even slightly move mm-hmm. up, although they don't really have the picks to do that this year, uh, if you want to stay at 32 or if someone really, really keeps falling, I, I just feel like there are capable linebackers who can be rotational help this year and moving into starring roles seasons two, three, and the and four if they're a second-round pick of their rookie deal. That I, I'm all in on, like, okay, you've got Brashad Breeland. Now I would shift to offensive linemen, which I know is kind of like a snooze fest on draft night. But, hey, you, you do need linemen to win games. And mm-hmm. But the sexy pick, in my eyes, is, like, go get go get a linebacker. And in the, in the mock drafts that we've done on The Athletic, I've done 
uh, a couple of them I have sort of suggested linebacker in every scenario. And I still feel that to this degree because the wide receiver class is amazing. Somebody's got to take a cornerback. Cornerbacks are going to go off the board just because it's a passing league. Um, hey, you need somebody to protect the quarterback, right? So there goes a couple linemen. All of a sudden, you get to the mid-20s, and you will find a good linebacker uh, if the Chiefs uh, are willing to you know, think of the same ways that I am about where that player can help not only in 2020, but in years you know, moving forward. If Patrick Queen is there at like 28, someone's going to have to hack Brett Veach's Zoom to remind him <laughs> that they don't have that picks this year. They don't have any, they don't have, they have no way of moving up. Um, I think, I, I don't I know. think that I he's going to look, I think he's going to give a 2030 first round draft pick and but yeah, we'll figure that out in 2030. I want a linebacker, please. I think to clarify, you know, for anyone that doesn't realize this. So, Nate, when you're talking about a linebacker, you're talking about a will linebacker, right? Someone that can play in coverage. Yes. But also still, you know, be on the field. What they three, A three-down linebacker. Find him. Where is he? Go get I, him. Yeah. <laughs> yep. A guy, a specific. And the reason that's so important is that it would allow them to finally break free of this hybrid safety stuff that they've been kind of stuck with for a number of years. And there are very few safeties that can play competently in that hybrid linebacker level. Like, you know, Dan Sorensen's a huge hero in the playoffs, but he's he's struggled in that role. Basically, unless you're Eric Berry or Tyron Matthew or, you know, one of these like special dudes like cam chancellor like usually bigger matthew how he does it i don't know he just does you you can't be that hybrid guy you're just too small you can't recognize the run fits quick enough it just doesn't work right Mm -hmm. and then okay well we'll put in you know then you'll have whoever on the field and they're a weakness in coverage and they 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 force you to run certain coverages because you can't risk having anthony hitchens one-on-one against a running back in space and, and if you're and, it, and if you're gonna play a veteran quarterback, which you will most likely in you know big games, uh, Aaron Rodgers is gonna identify that. Philip Rivers identified that, even though he was like slightly cooked last year. Yeah. And you know Deshaun Watson could have done more, I think, with the running back in the division round playoff game. He had his coach not been Bill O'Brien. <laughs> but that's I mean, listen, Deshaun Watson is great. But he's only human. There's only so much, only so much that can be overcome. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So the so uh, the three names uh, to go through to go through Dan's uh, beast mock draft guide, you know, encyclopedia: uh, Patrick Queen from LSU, Kenneth Murray of Oklahoma, Zach Bond of Wisconsin. These are the three linebackers. If you're a Chiefs fan, that you should spend a little bit of time with, getting to know, uh, maybe watch some tape, some highlights, some some mixed tapes on mm-hmm. uh, on the YouTube. Uh, those are the three guys that the Chiefs may be able to acquire one of them if they stay at 32 or slightly move down. Yeah. All three of those guys are all ones that would that would be – I would be excited to see how Spags would also want to use them. Because I, I think – I mean, like, the, the, the hole in the defense that you mentioned, Seth, like, that's very clear as far as, like, hey, here's the role. But, like, even specifically seeing how any of those three would – would actually function on the field. I just like I would be excited to see that happen. Right. And also just on a side note, just to do maybe a little cross promotion. Um, is it Dane or Dan? Brugler. Dane. Dane. Yeah, okay, I just making uh-huh. sure. Yeah. Um and and I feel bad even asking that because most people who are listening to us know who Dane Brugler is. 
Yep. But in case you don't, when, what 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 Nate's referencing, you've got to check that out. Look him up online, Dane Brugler. He he publishes what I don't think anyone would be offended, even including people who cover the draft. If when I call it the most comprehensive draft kit every year. I mean, right? Yeah. No one would be offended by that, right? Like even the people who cover the draft, they all say, "Yeah, Dane's the best in the business. He is unbelievable." And if you like the draft, you you have to check this out. It is it is it is an incredible resource. And I I'm looking forward to going through it so I know what to think of some of these guys cuz as everyone knows, I don't watch college football, so I don't even know. I'm supposed to, you know, talk about the draft at some point, I bet. You can follow Dane on Twitter. He's at DP Brugler. His pinned tweet takes you to the draft guide that's up on the Athletic. There's a password in there for Athletic users that will let you download, open and, and download his draft guide. It's it is mammoth and uh, a super good resource. So good good work on cross promoting there, Seth. Great job. Thanks, uh, Seth. I, you mentioned earlier we we uh, we haven't gotten to talk to you about Sammy Watkins. Nate and I did a little conversation in in breaking news format whenever that actually happened. You want to give us two minutes on your thoughts with with, uh, with Sammy Watkins? I thought your idea, your your sort of uh, exploration into the star treatment thing was was very interesting. What <laughs> did I cut out, or was Seth not listening? I'm so sorry. You didn't cut out even a little. I zoned out during DoorDash. And so normally I have the ability to replay like the last 10 seconds of what someone said in in my head. And my wife hates that, by the way. Like she'll say something You're to me and I will not be paying attention. And then she'll see me looking at her and she'll go, stop it. Stop it. Don't replay what I said. What was I saying? You have to have been listening. Anyway. Josh, I Danielle, apologize. Da- Danielle, leave this in. Leave it in. <laughs> this, oh, yeah. You're, pro- oh, you're yeah. a professional here, Seth. I'm exchanging emails with our editor. Is that not okay to do while we're podcasting? <laughs> oh, just yeah, just throw Brendan out of the brush. Right, sure. Yeah, sure. yeah it's, Brendan, it's Brendan's fault, but you couldn't wait well, 18 I'm apparently, minutes to do that. I'm apparently putting like UK links in my pieces rather than US links, and I don't know how I'm doing that. So I was like, wow, what is that? And then I heard Josh say Seth, and I heard something about the star, and I thought, well, that doesn't seem to make sense. And so I got nothing, so I went with, What? Okay, so two birds, one stone. One is I'm guessing that you're actually putting UK and not US links in because you don't pay very close attention to your work, would sort of be my guess if I had to guess. That's one. hurtful and probably true. I, I asked about Sammy Watkins and if you wanted to give us two minutes and now one minute star on treatment. your thoughts yes. on Sammy your Watkins time. and the star yes. treatment. Your time has been rolling, though. Yes. Um, the, the Sammy Watkins, it's great that they brought him back. They managed to save a little bit. Of, you guys are jerks. Um, that That's actually on me. I, yeah, I, don't, that, don't lash out at us. Fault. It's probably my fault. I don't like accountability, apparently. Look, my wife brought home like four or five live chicks and like three ducks today. All right? I'm having a oh, bad God. day. Oh, yeah. man, I'm sorry. I, you had told us that before the show. We could have rescheduled. Yeah, they're, they're in a kiddie pool right now, like, oh, not man. filled with water, people. I was going to say, is it filled with water? Because you might get rid of at least the ducks, or at least the chickens. Yeah, the ducks might still be yeah, there, but... Yeah, the ducks. I think ducks do better in the water than chickens, Josh. That's that's what I meant. I mis- I misspoke. Yeah. I was no, listening, I'm but I did you. misspeak. Okay, sorry. That's a bad excuse. So here's the thing. It's great they're bringing back Sammy Watkins. Continuity is important in what's probably going to be a shortened off season at the very least. 
Um, they're doubling down on Patrick Mahomes. That much is clear. There's not really a ceiling of the offense with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. So it makes sense to bring back weapons, guys who know the system, um, all that stuff. The one point of contention that I have with all this is that Sammy Watkins is making almost as much money as Tyreek Hill this year. He's making more than Travis Kelsey. And they have bent over backwards trying to keep him in place because even the amount that they saved is less than what I would have thought. I would not have agreed to the current contract they've got with Sammy. I would have said, no, you're going to have to take more of a pay cut. You're going to have yeah. to. Or you can go somewhere else and we'll save $14 million. They Their view of Sammy Watkins is different than mine. They treat him like a star. And I don't think he's a star. I don't think he's even the fifth best player on the offense. And so the only time I get annoyed with it is when I juxtapose it with the hardline stance they're taking with Chris Jones, who is a star. And I understand whataboutism is a stupid way to view things, which, by the way, <laughs> by the way, if people are listening to this for life advice, whataboutism is kind of a stupid way to view things unless you're really trying to analyze stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm doing here. So I'm going to make an excuse, even though it's a stupid way to view things, is that it's frustrating for me when I have one player on one hand who is a bona fide superstar, one of the best in the league, the best player on the defense. And then on the other hand, you've got a guy who is a good but not great player, and he's getting the superstar treatment. He's getting bent over backwards. And then with Jones, nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. That's frustrating for me, which probably isn't fair to Brett Veach, who has earned the benefit of a doubt, but that's a little frustrating for me. Seth, let me remind you yet again, sir, that Brett Veach loves Sammy Watkins. And he that loves. Sammy Watkins loves Brett Veach. And that if Andy Reid had to choose between one or the other, as Seren Petro of A10 has asked me over and over again this offseason, would Andy Reid pick Sammy Watkins over Chris Jones or Chris Jones over Sammy Watkins? I think we know what the answer is. Yes. And that's, that's, look, I, they're not required to agree with everything I think. I mean, it would be handy if they did. <laughs> but that, that's what it comes across as. And at a certain point, you're, it's tempting and maybe, maybe, maybe Brett would point to the Super Bowl and say, see, vindication. And I actually wrote about that in a piece that's coming out soon. That there was mm-hmm. some vindication there for Veach. Sammy can play, but being great inconsistently is not the same as great. And Tyreek Hill is great. Travis Kelsey is great. Those guys rarely have games where they don't make impacts. Like every every game this year, was it not like you're like, ah, Kelsey was kind of quiet. What do you mean he had nine catches for 110 yards? Like constantly, right? Tyreek Hill, it seems like every fifth catch he has is like a 40-yard play. He He's always impactful. It's rare when he's not. When he doesn't impact the game, you're like, whoa, that's weird. When Sammy Watkins doesn't impact the game, you don't think that because that's more normal. And that, to me, I get it. And I know you're just basically riling me up somewhere by saying that yep. to me. Yep. But Veach, Veach loves Sammy Watkins. And Reed loves Sammy Watkins. And if I had one quibble with the greatest coach-GM combination they've had in 50 years, it's that when they really like their guy, it seems like there's no amount of evidence that will change their mind to that. Like they, they, they gave Sammy or Sammy, Sammy Hitchens, apparently they gave Anthony Hitchens <laughs> a, a huge contract. 
Mm-hmm. And after that first year, it was like, ugh. They were like, you know what we ought to do? We ought to restructure this to where you can't mm-hmm. really cut them without a post-June 1st designation for like three more years. And mm-hmm. I'm like, why would you do that? Why? Mm-hmm. And they, they make it clear. They view him as like one of the centerpieces of the defense. And I'm sitting here like, why? But why? And maybe I'm wrong. I, I There's a good possibility of that. But it's the same thing with Watkins. Like, this is their guy. And I'm just like, you know who would be great to have as your guy? Like, one of the best three pass rushers in football. That mm-hmm. would be a great guy to have as your guy. Um, now, what? what was that, Seth? Ins- <laughs> <laughs> now, I, earned, I earned that. Now, in saying all that, Seth, they can still figure out a deal. They still got till July. There's no, there's no rush on this. Quietly, True. there kind of is of a rush because, like, if you're gonna trade them, you got about ten days to do it. Um, yeah. So, so really quick, if, no, I can, if I can, if I can put this in no a rush, if I can put it in a question form for you, because I did mean to ask about this earlier and I got distracted by Seth being distracted. Um, well, did, did the did the Bashad Breland thing move the needle for you at all on on Chris Jones? Because the, the reason is obviously they need about five million dollars to sign their draft class if they just pick where they're at right now. Um, moving mm-hmm. around would obviously move that number a little bit, but uh, they had about five million dollars. They freed it up with Watkins, and then now they have spent that on Bashad Breland. So it does seem like either LDT or Chris Jones would have to have numbers move around. Maybe Dan Sorensen, but that also feels kind of unlikely at this point. Um, right. But th- does that do anything for your expectations of what of what ends up happening with Chris Jones? Is this a little? Cri- it, 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 a I little. am struggling. <laughs> this is Nate. A little. Oh my god! I, I was. I was. I was building. I was I was doing a Stephen A where like I build silence for dramatic effect. Um, you were and it was great and I ruined it. I suck. I'm sorry. <laughs> Seth also keeps it's, getting farther away from his microphone, which I think is actually pretty good aesthetically. It's just for off sort of for like, the show. <laughs> yeah, keep going, Seth. Next room. <laughs> but I think is a team going to come up to plate? Are they are they going to come up to bat? Are they going to make an offer? And then is Brett Vichy you going to look at the cap space and be like, okay, Chris, here's the numbers. You've got to take a hometown discount or we just have to move you. I mean, this is, this is, by the way, this is speculation and my understanding of the situation as we are coming to it. There's, as we are recording this, we are essentially two weeks from the draft mm-hmm. from opening night, virtually of round one. Um, the draft is a natural deadline for trades of guys who need to be moved for salary cap reasons. If you need salary cap space to take draft picks and to give you flexibility before you even get to training camp, the largest chunk of change to do that to is tied to Chris Jones. I know that uh, Seth Jones, or excuse me, Seth Jones. <laughs> Seth Kaiser does not want to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> they might as well. They might as well be attached to the hip. Right, uh, right. I, I, I know the Chiefs want to resign Chris Jones to a long term deal. That is a fact. Uh, is Chris Jones willing? I, I mean, it's it's really hard. It's just it's. Think about you and your job, listener. You could stay with your company and have massive success and whatever the equivalent is of winning multiple championships, but you won't be paid your true worth and value. Um, or you could, or you can go elsewhere and figure out that situation and get paid what you are actually worth, which is around what Frank Clark makes. Um, so eh, I don't know. 
if the draft moves on without any movement with Chris Jones, it indicates that one, he will not play under the franchise tag. Cause I've been told that multiple times Two, they have up until July to figure out if they can work something out. And three, it's going to be a long staring contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is where we are. And there are other players that probably will have to be moved on from to create. Solid, I mean, obviously that's the case in order to take a draft pick. If you don't, um, if you don't trade Chris Jones, but I, I'm, I'm just giving you the scenarios as they all play out as best we know them two weeks before the draft. One thing that I want to add there is just that also a way they could free up cap space would be to sign him to the, the Frank Clark contract and have that first year cap hit be lower, um, which I know we all have talked about multiple times, but just for anyone listening who might not have that and, uh, on the mind. And I can tell you that Chris Jones wants money right now. Hmm. You can have a lot of money right now. Maybe not all of it right now because he got signed a draft pick. <laughs> Chris, got signed. Chris got signed a draft pick, my guy. But I mean, if could it's a five-year... Could you take if it's eight a right five-year deal, you can hand someone a $25 million bonus check. Be like, bro, here it is. And then you got the first year, be a low, you know, a $3 million, whatever. And you only end up with an $8 million cap hit that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a th- $25 million be- check. Now, and now if Jones is like, no, I want a $60 million signing bonus. Okay, fair enough. The, the team should leak that, obvi- honestly, if that's the yeah. request. If it's yeah. something insane. Because it's like, bro, if, 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 if cashing a $25 million check isn't enough for you right now, okay. Well, then you got to figure something out. Because it's got to be possible to get the deal done. But you can hand him a massive check right now, tomorrow, and still have like half the cap hit. And... It's making my heart hurt because it's like, this should be so easy. And so that's, you know, that, yeah, I know that's not about Watkins. We always end up talking about Jones, but it's, it's definitely a thing. And the closer we get to the draft, if they are playing a game of chicken, that just reinforces my thing. It's like how you're picking who to give star treatment to is just not, I don't know. They won yeah. the Super Bowl, so benefit of the doubt, right? Now, now, the, now the backside to this is that as the offseason started with free agency, they've executed just about everything they've wanted to do. The only person that they really made an effort to retain that did not re- get retained was Steven Swaznewski, and we've explained that uh, previously. Everybody else that they've wanted to retain – They've retained. And so if you're a Chiefs fan, you should have yep. faith in that aspect of it. That like True. they will figure something out because they've shown me over the course of the last two months that, okay, we had all these questions and methodically they've answered every question moving forward. Um, but obviously the biggest one is is indeed Chris Jones. Seth, I want one minute. I'm setting a timer. I want one minute on Ricky Seals-Jones. Go. Uh, Ricky Seals Jones is intriguing. He's not even a guarantee to make the team. It's a one-year flyer deal they took on a guy who's an exceptional athlete who has flashed in spots the ability to really move the needle from the slot as a tight end. He's not a great blocker. It's an interesting pivot from what they've done previously. However, he's got the speed to outrun linebackers up the seam, and he's also got the speed to alter angles after the catch. He's not able to separate individually, but he doesn't need to as the second tight end in Andy Reid's system. All of that means he may be in a perfect situation where his strength are accentuated and make the Chiefs even more explosive, fast, and dangerous, and his weaknesses are well hidden. Maybe. We'll see. If it works out like that, it would be great for the Chiefs offense, but there's just as big a chance that nothing happens. 
Got 45 seconds is all you needed there. Uh, Nate, can you give us a minute on your, your stories about Antonio Hamilton and Mike Rimmers and then your story about Jordan Tamu? Yeah, so for Mike Wimmers and Antonio Hamilton, these are guys I think will make the roster um, unless something unforeseen happens where think about week 6 through 13. When injuries, attrition start to occur, do you have somebody who's capable, veteran savviness, and can make a play or two when called upon? Those are those two guys, and that's the roles that they're going to be assigned to uh, come next season. For Jordan Tamu, Man, I watched a lot of XFL tape, way too much. Um, (laughs) But this is what they've been looking for. Quietly in the Chiefs organization, from the day they drafted Patrick Mahomes, they've been looking for someone who was capable, young, to be his replacement. As we saw last year, if Chad Haney gets hurt, they had to get another veteran guy, Matt Moore, who was even older and was coaching high school, to be the backup quarterback. That's not a sustainable uh, answer long-term. So this is also a one-year prove-it deal for Jordan to learn the system. And as I wrote in the story in The Athletic, maybe week 17, if the Chiefs have a already locked-in-place mm. playoff seeding, Maybe you throw Jordan Tongu out there, much like they did with Mahomes as a rookie, and just see what he's capable of with a year into the system, and you bring him back to be someone where the playbook is more adaptable and seamless if Mahomes goes down in years 20, 21, 22, 23, if you have a young guy who's capable of being a really, really good spot starter. He's got the tools. He's really rough because he's young. He's only 22, which is insane to me, and he obviously went undrafted kind of because of that. But Jordan Tamu has tools. If he can keep, if he is coachable, as Jonathan Hayes of the you know XFL St. Louis BattleHawks reference, then yeah, that's that's going to be something to watch in the preseason if we have one, and also throughout the rest of the year. Is he someone that they can develop over the course of time to where maybe he's a Rich Gannon type quarterback in the NFL? Which means you're never going to keep him because you have like the best player of all time. But you did have someone capable and suitable at the you know quarterback two position if Mahomes does have an injury or two in the middle of a season. You can read about that up on The Athletic right now. Seth, I need 20 seconds on DeAndre Washington. Go! Um, Interesting player. You know, he's got a decent skill set for the Chiefs offense. A competent running back that could spot start on almost any NFL team. There's probably... 40 to 50 guys just like him in the NFL, as best I can tell. I feel bad saying it that way because he and Patrick Mahomes went to college together, but that's what he's shown throughout his career. But he deserves to be there. I think he'll I think he'll win a spot on the team and do well if he gets the ball. Nate, tell the story of the time you ate a bunch of hot dogs so we can get out on time. You go to uh, theathletic.com slash timesars for uh, uh, 40% off. Summer 2009, Buck Knight and Kauffman Stadium. I don't remember who the Royals played. They weren't very good that year. But to make the game interesting for me and my friends in college, such as my lovely wife, Holly, my best friend in college, Mike Jeffries, Kristen Walter, shout out to you. Um, they all watched me try to eat 10 hot dogs during from the moment of first pitch to the last out. I got through nine hot dogs. Now, this is, and this is obviously <laughs> going back to our McDonald's challenge of a week ago. But, yes. In the prime of my career, I ate nine hot dogs on Buck Night. And these are not premium hot dogs, kids, because they're selling them for a dollar. So, <laughs> got to the 10th dog. It was around the 8th, maybe the middle of the 8th inning, going towards the ninth, And uh, my body couldn't take it. And so, I had to, like, immediately remove myself <laughs> from my seat in the stands. Go to the restroom. I almost hawked it. Was able to keep it down. <laughs> Drank a lot of high C, I think at the time, like orange high C apparently was like an elastic 
remedy for my expandable stomach. <laughs> and then I came back. The Royals lost, I think. And then we went out and I thought we should have all went to like Denny's or Waffles House for pancakes. Because at the time of my youth, I could eat anything for hours. Um, and now my jersey is in the rafters. And that is the greatest story of my competitive eating gimmick challenge of circa 2009. Unless one of us dies from eating too much, we'll talk to you again next week.